Hey y'all, welcome to the Sweet Tea and Jesus podcast hosted by Kelsey Hamrick and Tara McAdam. We are two sisters who desire to grow in love for Jesus. You are not alone and we want to come alongside you with challenges, laughter, questions, prayers, and the eternal hope of the gospel. Whether you're on your way to work, changing your 10th dirty diaper today, or drinking a glass of sweet tea, we pray you are strengthened and filled with joy from these biblical truths today. Hey guys, welcome back to today's episode. It is titled, What Does This Word Mean? I know that's a funny title. You're probably asking, what word is she talking about? Well, that's a great question. Yes, we wanted to do an episode where we define some intimidating words in the Bible that some followers of Jesus may not know what they mean. I used to not have a clue what these words meant, and I would just nod my head in agreement, but inside I was thinking, what in the world? talking about like am I in a theology class um I was actually talking to Colby about this and he got me laughing because he quoted the movie Good Burger for those out there who remember that one um he said Ed was signing a contract going "Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm I know some of these words and that's exactly how I felt (laughs) and Mm -hmm, I would uh uh-huh, sure. Uh, I would read scripture and be trying to discern what the passage was talking about. And I struggled because I'd come across these words that I sort of had an idea what they meant from context clues, but I didn't really know what they meant. And it definitely made studying my Bible a lot more intimidating. Mm, that's so true. When you don't feel comfortable or confident in what you're reading, or if you come across a word, it can make you just avoid it for sure. Absolutely. But the three words we are going to define and dig deeper into the meaning today are gospel, sanctification, and atonement. So let me say that one more time. Gospel, sanctification, and atonement. I know at some point in my walk with Jesus, I had no idea what these words meant when I came across them in the Bible. I would hear my pastor say these or hear them in a Bible study and would be so confused because I didn't know what they meant. Exactly. Yeah, I feel like I accepted Jesus into my life and then was handed a Bible and everyone expected me to just like figure it out by myself and I'll tell you I didn't truly like get it for another 13 years yeah just that lack of discipleship um you know thinking back to our previous episode on what is a disciple check that one out if you haven't already but first word we're going to talk about is the gospel I know you've probably heard this word or seen it somewhere Webster's dictionary defines gospel as the message concerning Christ the kingdom of God and salvation the bible defines the gospel as the good news of Jesus. Mm. How often when we hear good news in our lives today, such as, did you hear that so-and-so is going to get married? Or did you hear that so-and-so got a promotion at her job? Or did you hear that such-and-such family is going to have a baby? Usually when we hear good news, we do share it with others. It brings us so much joy and we want others to experience that same joy. My question is, how much more should we be sharing the joy that the good news of Jesus brings us with everyone else in our lives? today. Right. You know, the gospel or good news of Jesus is threaded throughout the whole Bible. It starts with the promise of a seed from Adam and Eve crushing the head of the serpent in Genesis. You know, when Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, they clung to this good news. They clung to this hope that one of their descendants would crush the serpent and allow them to dwell with God again. And you go all the way to the last book of the Bible in Revelation. Because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, because of that 
good news of his crucifixion and resurrection, we are invited to dwell with God as his people forever in the new garden. So we yeah. are recounseled with him, which is, is the best news of all, you know? Right. And there's such good news pointing to Jesus in the Old Testament, our Savior, our Redeemer, our Judge, our Shepherd, our King, our Lord, our Counselor, our Prince of Peace. And it is all throughout the Bible. Um, I think about a good Bible verse is in Mark 16, 15 and 16. It says, and he said to them, go into the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Another one would be in Romans 1 verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I love that verse, especially for I am not ashamed of the gospel, especially you speaking about how excited we should be to share the good news. And especially in today's cancel culture, it's pretty tough sometimes to be openly as excited as we really are because of fear that someone is going to make us feel ashamed for our belief. So I, I love Romans 1.16 for those who did not hear that. That was great. Um, and I love we're doing the word gospel. I'll just be honest. I'll tell you when I used to hear it, I am hundred percent thought it just meant the word Bible. Like someone would say, have you heard the gospel? And I would just think like the Bible. I didn't really fully understand that it was the good news. I had no idea that it was more specific than that. And I found a really good section in Corinthians. It's 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. And we'll add that in the show notes. But I just thought it was such a beautiful depiction of what the gospel and what good news means. He says, let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then and you still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you. Unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins just as the scriptures said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day just as the scriptures said. That's the gospel right Mm, there. That's good. I I remember the first time someone shared the good news with me and it clicked. It actually meant something to me and to my heart. It moved my heart. And I was 12 years old. I was watching a pastor on TV with my dad. The pastor was Charles Stanley. I'm sure several of you have heard his name or heard of him. And he just shared the good news of Jesus so clearly. And the Holy Spirit was just drawing me unto himself. I surrendered my life to Jesus and my life has never been the same. The next time you hear the word gospel, I hope hope you know with certainty what it means and where it is discussed in the Bible. Yes. So the next word we're going to talk about is sanctification. We have talked about that in a couple episodes. This is a word that is used a lot and it's a big one. I'm not even sure that I tried to figure out what this word meant, honestly. I probably just tried to skip over it and that's probably why I would get confused and give up even trying to read my Bible. Uh, so <laughs> You're like, uh, nope. And you know. <laughs> Don't know that word. Uh, now <laughs> Now that I know what it means, it's definitely made the passages with the word in it have such a deeper meaning. You know, the process of sanctification is hard. And I'm not sure if y'all grew up hearing the song Refiner's Fire. I know Tara did. Oh, yeah. That's but a good one. that's what I think of a lot when I hear this word. It's Refiner's Fire. My heart's one desire is to be holy, set apart for you, Lord. In Bible times, refiners use fire as a gold purifier and gold scraps were placed in what's called a crucible. And the crucible was placed in a 
furnace and they heat it to like 2000 degrees and the gold melts at such a high temperature and then it's transferred to another container, leaving the impurities and the other substances floating at the surface. And that's exactly what happens to us during the sanctification process. The uncomfortable and even the painful things we go through are trials that God uses to test and grow our faith and to expose the sin in our hearts. That's right. That is so good. And what a great analogy and a great um, comparison to what God wants to do with us when we accept the Lord to purify us and to make us holy when we are not pure and we are far from holy. But he has to get those impurities and other junk that's in our heart, the other Mm -hmm. idols and the other, the seeds of sin that we have there rooted deep. He is working in us to get those out and to create us more like Christ. There are so many biblical references on this word because it is such an essential part of the daily life of a believer of Jesus. You know, once you believe in Jesus, this process of sanctification begins and it doesn't end until he returns or he calls us to be with him in heaven. It's a word I used to scratch my head when I heard it. I'd be like, (laughs) what was I saying? I honestly thought this word only applied to pastors or those in leadership, not every disciple of Jesus. But boy, was I wrong. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, First Thessalonians 4, 3 says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. Another good one, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Thessalonians 2, 13 says, but we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the spirit and belief in the truth. Mm. John 17, 17 says, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. 1 Corinthians 6, 11, and such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. Hebrews 10, 10 says, and by that we will have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So to sanctify is to be made holy. Well, Jesus is holy. And if our goal is to be more like him, then we need to buckle up because (laughs) we will be sanctified for the rest of our lives because we will never be as holy as Jesus. Right. So again, just like boiling it down, sanctification is the process of becoming more like Christ. And it we naturally resist the sanctification process. It is not easy being formed and pruned and molded into the likeness of Jesus. Sanctification helps us die to self and to live for Christ every day. I've talked a lot about my pregnancy and and how 2022 was a really difficult year for me. I was sick. I was hospitalized at least three times that I can think of. And I had to get IVs at least five or six times before they gave me an IV that had Zofran in it that I got to carry around for a little while. I took so much medicine. I wasn't able to eat food. I had the post-COVID symptom of, you know, everything tasted rotten or rancid. And when you're already pregnant and nauseous, I really cannot explain to y'all how terrible that was. Uh, It's truly one of the hardest things that I've dealt with on a daily basis. Because I mean, it, it was every single time I sat down for a meal or had to cook for my family and not get to eat it. And it, it was in my face every day, all day. And I was away from my three-year-old so much and she didn't understand. And I remember FaceTiming her from the hospital and her saying, Mommy, where are you at? Can I come? When are you coming home? And, and it just broke my heart. I felt so much guilt. And then I had so many fears about 
about losing my baby because of how sick I was and how much weight I was losing. And then I noticed that her heart rate was not as high as it was supposed to be. And what followed that was so many doctor's appointments in Huntsville and Birmingham and so many ultrasounds and non-stress tests. And I was so truly afraid that she was not going to make it through delivery. I was completely prepared that that was a big possibility. And there were so many moments that I just felt really, really low. But God continued to remind me of his goodness and his grace. And in the middle of my suffering, I just kept praying, Lord, what are you trying to teach me through this? I'm someone who struggles a lot with control. And my heart issue was that I really wasn't trusting the Lord the way that I said I was. And all of what I went through taught me to fully let go and trust him. He was sanctifying me. But it took me a while to figure that out. But when the diagnosis came that my daughter has prolonged QT syndrome and that she was at high risk for cardiac arrest and that she got it from me, I was able to let go and trust the Lord because he had been teaching me that through every hard thing through my pregnancy that I could trust him. And that doesn't mean I handled it perfectly, but it was definitely easier than it would have been because I could say with confidence that the Lord is in control and not me. Mm, Man, thank you so much for sharing that. And I hope and pray that, yeah, that that encourages um, our listeners just to hear a super fresh, super personal um, sanctification experience um, that you literally just came out of. And I lived it with you. So I I remember all the rancid food and just, I don't want to go back to that. You know, you don't want to go back to it. It's like you're, you're thankful for it afterwards but it is rough to think thankful to be out of that fire that's That's right that's right you don't want to go back in that fire yeah but I mean God has had to refine me as well and he has refined me and refined me time and time and time again I feel like I'm just constantly being pruned and molded and challenged in my faith with the Lord 2008 bottom line was the worst year of my life I mean there is no sugar coating it in any way I had an awful breakup I lost friendship I tore my ACL playing college basketball on my birthday Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, just ultimately after, you know, bad thing after bad thing after bad thing, I decided to take the driver's seat and I told God to get in the backseat. I was tired of trying to be the good Christian girl, you know, but all these awful things were happening. I had this, this awful, you know, theology um, in my, my heart, my head that good things should happen to good people. And I was mad because I felt like I was a good person and a lot of bad things were happening to me. Mm -hmm. So that was the, the mindset that I had prior to my fire that God put me through. And I decided to be in charge for a change. And I spent the next year and a half of my life doing what Tara wanted to do, trying out what the world had to offer. I didn't deny Jesus, but I didn't claim him either. And to this day, I'm still paying for some of the consequences of those decisions made during that time of rebellion. But finally, the Holy Spirit got my attention when I felt like I hit rock bottom. And I realized that my theology of who God is and who I was was totally wrong. And no matter what, what good or what bad happens in my life, it is for my good and it is for his glory. And I'm not a good person. I am wicked by nature. I am I am sinful by nature. And God is the only good person. And I thought I was untouchable. And God had to teach me that your choices and sin that you choose to partake in has consequences, even when he offers grace and forgiveness. I learned that my life is not my own. And God taught me that he is in control. He is always the driver of my 
my life. And I confess to him that I never, ever wanted to be the driver of my life again. I repented and I sought restoration with the Lord wholeheartedly, but it took years for me to forgive myself for all the wrong and the selfish acts that I had done. I've since then, I've had people ask me, you know, do you regret your rebellion stage? And my answer is no. It molded me and sanctified me into the likeness of Christ. He taught my stubborn self things that I never would have learned otherwise um, through that season. He brought me from ashes to beauty. And I am so thankful for what I learned in that season because it truly made me who I am today. Thank you for sharing that. You know, I hope that both of us sharing a personal experience with sanctification encourages y'all too. And one of the reflection questions in our show notes today asks about trials that you've been through and what you feel like God was teaching you during that. And I definitely encourage y'all to reflect on that. And especially when you're going through a trial in your life, I encourage you to really take a step back and reflect and ask that question, God, what are you trying to teach me through this? That's right. The last word we're going to discuss and define is atonement. The word atonement is rarely used in today's language, in our everyday language, but it is a very important word in the Bible. We first learn about atonement in Genesis when Adam and Eve commit the first sin. God had to sacrifice an animal to make skins for Adam and Eve to have clothes. Mm -hmm. An animal had to die and blood had to be shed to make an atonement for their sins. And every time sin is committed, there has to be an atonement for that sin. Mm -hmm. Leviticus 17.11 says, For the life of a creature is in its blood, and I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. Hebrews 9.12 says, He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. Another one in Isaiah 53, 4 and 5 says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wound, we are healed. Mm. Yeah, I mean, after reading through the Old Testament and all the things that people had to do in order to atone for their sin, it is impossible not to think, wow, there is absolutely no way that I could sacrifice enough to cover my sin. That's right. There ain't enough goats. No. (laughs) (laughs) There ain't enough goats. There ain't enough birds. (laughs) I'll be finding the Satan goats. Like, quit acting like you're dead. Come on. I I need you. Yes, no, I Jeez, yes. <laughs> that, I mean, that's the reason that God gave us Jesus, you know, and because it's absolutely impossible for us apart from him to atone for our sin. And I really, that made me laugh so hard. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just being real. Like, I know for me, there ain't enough goats. No, there ain't. no, no. You know, I feel like whenever hey, I uh, plug, Jesus is the true goat. You know what I'm saying? Oh, Greatest of all good. time. That's Boom. Good. Mic drop. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Enough about goat. Okay. <laughs> That's right. No, I just, I feel like anytime that I feel overcome with worry, I'm overwhelmed with anger. I've not been honest. I felt jealous. Like whatever the sin may be, like 
like you said, I know my sins are way too many to count, but he paid for them all knowing that I could never do it. I've got a couple of verses too. Um, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. First Peter 2.24. Next one's in Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Matthew 26 28 says for this is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Mm, man even hearing worthy are you to take the scroll from Revelation that reminds mm, me of Shane mm. and Shane's song is he worthy you know they're asking oh, yeah. is he worthy who is who is worthy to open the scroll and they're like is he worthy and he is he is yeah. you know if y'all don't know that song go look it up right now Shane and Shane is he worthy but you know once you truly grasp this concept of atonement that you have been redeemed your debt that you owe has fully been forgiven I mean truly your life will forever be changed you start to live with an attitude of gratitude in your heart and again it, it pushes us to go back to the word gospel you begin to share this good news of salvation that Jesus provides by his atonement for us on the cross with others that God has placed in our life yeah absolutely and even going back to talking about the word atonement and like how much it truly is used in the Old Testament. I think we've talked about this before, how we hear it all the time that people think the Old Testament isn't relevant, but truly reading all the ways that people had to atone for each sin they committed in specific ways with all these different animals. I mean, you read it and you're just thinking, oh my gosh. And it really does give you this full perspective and full view of what atonement is and what it takes and it really does give you that attitude of gratitude for God sending his son for us because he didn't have to do that. Mm-mm. And I think we forget that. We definitely do. I believe today's take home message of our episode is don't be afraid of big words in the Bible. Yeah. It sound intimidating. You know, don't be afraid. For a long time, my pride stood in the way of me asking, what does this word mean? Finally, the Holy Spirit broke me of that. And now I love asking questions. It doesn't bother me if my question may seem elementary or even make me seem dumb. Who cares? I don't care. I want to know truth. I want to know the Lord. And I know he has placed other wise people in my life and plenty of trustworthy resources that I can search and find the answer unashamedly. I want people to know what these words are. And I I want you to, as a listener, to feel confident in their meaning. I want to give people solid biblical reference. And that's what we hope we have done today. Um, And also just some places in the Bible where these terms are clearly defined or used. Yeah, absolutely. I know we read a lot of Bible verses today, but especially because they are used so often, we want to make sure that when we're outlining these words for you, that it is coming from scripture and not just from us too. So my encouragement too is to never be embarrassed to ask or to look something up. And if someone asks you a question as a believer, never make them feel dumb for asking because remember there was a time that you probably didn't know it either. That's right. Now you know these three words, gospel, sanctification, and atonement, and you can throw them into your Bible toolkit, as Jen Wilkin likes to call it. We hope today you have been enlightened, encouraged, and hopefully a boost in your confidence in your biblical vocabulary. Mm -hmm. Now I challenge you, Kelsey and I challenge you to take what you've learned from today's episode and go share it with someone else. Thanks for joining us and we hope to see you next time. Hey y'all! 
Thanks for joining us today on the Sweet Tea and Jesus podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to our podcast so you can continue along on this journey with us. Please leave us a five-star review on Apple so that others can find our podcast and be encouraged by these gospel conversations too. Also, follow us on Instagram for upcoming content, news about our podcast, and more. Thank you so much for listening, and we're looking forward to you joining us on our next episode. See y'all next time.